listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in on this very special day. Uh, the day before Easter, we hope that uh, you all are enjoying the weekend and that uh, you'll take advantage of the weekend and uh, go to your local church and uh, enjoy Easter. Uh, we have a very special guest on. He and I have gotten to be uh, sort of phone tag uh, phone buddies uh, over the past few days, and uh, it's a delight. He's the uh, he's in the area of the world that just... Uh, got missed by a thank goodness part of it got missed he got missed but uh, other areas close to him uh, took some uh, brunt of the weather that we've uh, been having around the country that was rather severe but we have david kane on and david has a museum out in very close to my home state uh, out in oklahoma afton oklahoma it is one of those cities that, I should say towns, I guess, that uh, is on the tip of everybody's tongue. Everybody knows where Afton is. So with that being said, uh, David, welcome to the Classic Car Show. I apologize that um, Steve Ronaldo is still under the weather, and uh, Jim Weber took a red eye from California and just at his age, he just doesn't have the stamina to come in and do a radio show, so... You're stuck with the third-round draft choice today. But welcome to America's Web Radio, David. Well, thank you very much, David. Um, good morning, and uh, hello to all your uh, car listeners. Well, we, uh, we're going to uh, turn on one of our other computers and get it rocking and rolling and put your uh, website up here in just a minute. So has the weather calmed down this morning just a little bit? Well, yes, it has. As a matter of fact, we live in northeastern Oklahoma. For all you people who don't know where Afton, Oklahoma is, we're about uh, 30 miles from um, uh, Kansas, Arkansas, and uh, Missouri, um, the furthest northeast corner pretty much of Oklahoma. And we had a, a tornado come through here, or tornadic conditions, uh, uh, Friday night that left us in our storm shelter for couple of hours and i i got a record i gotta ask dave what were you doing in that storm cellar anything that a texan would do well yeah probably uh, you know except we don't allow hooved animals in there <laughs> well I, I won't go there <laughs> for you texans <laughs> but anyway uh, now, don't be rude. This is a this is a family show. We've got, uh, I don't think we have any kids, just old folks that appreciate classic cars listening, actually. Uh, I'll try to keep it down. But anyway, so we're in Afton. You're, you're in your storm cellar, and uh, there's a little uh, uh, gym beam or, or, or well, something in there. Some, hit some friends over for dinner, and... Uh, you know, we just um, opened another bottle or two of wine. Is what we did. <laughs> well, that, that's that's all you can do. You that's know, that's right. Kick back and enjoy. Enjoy what you can. Well, let's uh, let's talk about your background because you have a very sorted. Uh, no, not sorted. I'm sorry. You have a very interesting background. You you came over to. Uh, 
God's country, or you lived in God's country, I guess, to go to school. And uh, from, I will tell, just tell folks your, your background and in, in going to uh, Kentucky and so forth. I was born and raised in uh, Kentucky, uh, Louisville, a small town outside of Louisville. Had a benefit of a wonderful high school education in Kentucky and went to University of Kentucky for college and uh, majored in mechanical engineering. And um, um, went into the service in those days, uh, was during Vietnam, went into the Army through ROTC. I got out of the Army and went to work for a wonderful old company in Buffalo, New York, um, and at the end of the day became a sales representative for those people and others in metropolitan New York City. So um, worked very hard, raised a family, did all the stuff you do when you're younger, and uh, decided that it was time to, to get back to the Midwest and found a wonderful spot in northeastern Oklahoma. There's a great lake here called Grand Lake of the Cherokees, a big freshwater lake that you can still own property on, and a wonderful community that's a very civic-minded, uh, has a lot of very civic-minded people in it. And probably better than all, it, it has very close proximity to Route 66, um, being an old car person, I'm, I'm a roadie. I like, like to take car trips and road trips, and I love to do it in old cars. Um, so I was able to find an old gas station and service station in a, a almost ghost town very close to Grand Lake and, and bought it and restored the facility and have added on now to we have about 10,000 feet of, of proper storage there. Um, and we display my car collection in it that I have amassed one car at a time over oh, probably 30, 40 years. Um, the collection um, is a pretty eclectic collection, but I tried to focus mostly on Packard automobiles. And we have, um, uh, depending on what you count, but probably a dozen good Packards and some other cars that were very interesting to me for various purposes. Um, I, I typically um, buy cars that I like. I typically don't buy them at auctions unless it's maybe an estate sale type of a situation. And um, we also have there at the museum in Afton I would call it, David, a way station for uh, Route 66 travelers. Um, a bit of an old-fashioned tourist trap. Uh, we don't sell much, much, uh, and, and this isn't a moneymaker. But um, we do have a lot of fun with people that, that travel the road. Um, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a way to have people enjoy our hobby without um, all going, you know, without them having to go to great expense or, or any of those kinds of things. Well, as a matter of fact, let's talk about that. Uh, you're open all the time, basically, and uh, I understand that you charge an exorbitant rate to come and look at your museum. Could you go into well, detail how you came up with that? Well, yeah, it, 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 here's the situation. Um when we can man the museum and have it open 
on our own time, uh, we do that. Um, but um, it was my feeling all along that, that we should try to allow people to have access to automobiles that otherwise, particularly in our part of the country, people couldn't afford to go see. So, so we do that, have done it traditionally on a free basis. That's pretty expensive, and free. Yeah, free is pretty bad. We, we have now put a little, um, a little contribution box out, and we suggest a $2 admission fee. Now, now should it be evident or, or you have a problem with that, we'll just waive it. So we're pretty hard to get along with in the money deal. <laughs> um, and, but interestingly enough, David, um, of the people traveling the road, um, those contributions add up to help a little bit with the light bills and maintenance, but they give us the ability to hire people to keep it open when we're not available. And, and so that lightens the load of one of these things a little bit from a personal time basis, which really is your most important problem. Well, yeah, being being someplace every day, all year round is is a problem. Do you have any folks that, that help you with the museum? Well, we do. Uh, my ex-wife uh, holds court in the uh, front part of the uh, museum and is in charge of its uh, day-to-day operations. Uh, her name is Laurel Kane. She's a consummate roadie. Um, she. Um, a uh, little known facts probably has the largest proper collection of Route 66 postcards in the country. Wow. Um, you know, it waxes nostalgia about when she'd crawl in the back seat of, of the family car at 5 o'clock in the morning and her mom and dad would drive, you know, off on a road trip. And, and so um, she is there. She's incredibly knowledgeable about. Um, roads in the United States and uh, places particularly knowledgeable of Route 66 um, would be, is a fountain of information of all things associated with Route 66 travel, etc. That's fantastic. You know, uh, back when I was a kid, I was thinking of two things. Uh, and, and I don't think folks do this like we used to do it uh, back in the in the 50s and 60s, uh, we'd always take off on a Friday afternoon. My dad owned his own lumberyard, but we'd always take off on a Friday afternoon after he closed the yard and, and got everybody straight for who was going to open up on Saturday and who was going to run it next, you know, and all this stuff. But uh, my mother would pack this big, big, I don't want to say sack lunch, but this big dinner for us of sandwiches and deviled eggs and all, and we would hit the road, you know. And Dad, want, Dad always wanted to get on a couple of hundred miles before we pulled into a uh, motel. And the other thing my dad did, and, and I don't know of anybody that does this today, but Mom and Dad, particularly my dad, before we'd stay in a motel or a hotel, they'd go in and check the room. Oh, um, absolutely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We used to do the same thing, David, and live in Kentucky, and we would go down to uh, Florida for Christmas vacation. In those days, it would be about a two-week deal. Mm-hmm. 
and of course the drive before the Eisenhower Thruway System um, from uh, northern Kentucky to, uh, well, let's say, uh, uh, um, St. Petersburg was a long two-and-a-half-day uh, adventure. And, um, you know, you'd, you'd start out trying to figure out where all the AAA motels were. Yeah, yeah. Because that was the standard of uh, whatever. But and, some areas didn't have AAA motels. Well, that's exactly right. And you had to work on the... Then you'd go down to the next tier with <laughs> Duncan Hines or whatever it was and, and, and do that. Um, but, oh, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember many mornings in my little jammies with the feet in them yeah. <laughs> um, being thrown, thrown in the back, back of one of my father's Buicks and off we'd go, you know. You know this now. This it would be a classic car today, but we did a lot of traveling, and we had. My dad was a Chrysler man, and um, I think we wore the wheels. I know we came to uh, the South from Texas, we and toured all over. And I can't imagine today. We, my dad would take off like, you know, we'd have short vacations that were two weeks, and a real vacation was two months. I mean, we we right. took off and toured the South for two months, and I just. And, and we also uh, not that trip, but another trip went up to New York and stuff. But I can't ima- I can't get out of here for five days hardly, you know. But we well, we had a uh, 1955 Chrysler Town and Country, I think it was, or whatever. Oh. The big, 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 big station wagon. Yeah, and, I love those things. They and it had split seat. seats in the back seat. Yeah, and one of those Facing seats backwards. Pardon? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, this this just had the split seats in the back seat, and one of the seats we always kept down, and uh, that had a bedroll on it, and my sister and I would trade off taking naps there. Or if you wanted to sit up, you could sit in the other half of the of the back seat. Had the big air conditioning uh, system that was halfway through the car that um, if you went through a humid place, dripped on you. But that was okay. We understood that. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, Dad had this uh, big, big luggage rack, uh, specially built for the top of it, and this canvas. Uh, I mean, he went the whole nine yards. By the way, Dave, I hate to do this, but we've got to stop and take a break and pay for this show. We're talking to David Kane from Afton, Oklahoma, and his Afton Station Museum there. We're going to be back with Dave right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com. 
the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with David Kane from Afton, Oklahoma. It's the Afton Station. He has a museum there that uh, he owns all the cars, and they're cars that he's uh, collected over the years. What was your very first car, Dave? Well, I, I don't have it now. But when What I was, was your kid, second one? <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, my uh, I, I was able to scrape together $200 and buy a 49 Chevrolet. Uh, so that was my going to a high school automobile. With the old sweep back in it, right? Well, no, this one had a humpback. Oh, really? It was a pretty uh, Chevrolet Deluxe 49. It wasn't a the, the smooth uh, looker. Um, but it, it allowed me the luxury of being able to take a take the car apart and put it back together and sometimes have it run, you know. <laughs> um, but collecting cars, uh, the ones that I have now, I think the first car that I bought that's in the museum is a 1941 Hup Mobile. Um, it was, a, a, I bought it because it had an incredibly beautiful body on it. It was, was basically the body that they put on the cord uh, Beverly's which were those um, coffin-nosed, uh, uh, beautiful cords designed by Auburn Court Duesenberg in the 30s. Um, Hupmobile and, and a company called Graham, old motor car company, bought those body dies and, and made them rear-wheel drive with their standard drivetrains. And, and Hupmobile built the last one in 1941, just before they went out of business. It's a beautiful car. It runs very well, and in its day, in the early 40s, they clocked them at over 100 miles an hour with a flathead six in them. Um, so that's in the museum today. Uh, other cars, uh, kind of in order, um, uh, probably started mostly with post-war stuff. Um, 58 uh, Packard uh, four-door sedan, very oddball car in that. Packard really stopped building cars in 1956 in Detroit, but the parent company owned Studebaker. So in order to supply um, Packard automobiles to the uh, industry in 1957, they allowed um, Studebaker to build Packards, and basically they were the high-end Studebakers with a little extra trim on them or this or that, but big engines... uh, and um, and um, Packard nameplates on them. So if you can imagine going from a torsion bar suspension car built by Packard in Detroit in 1955 or 56 with with a huge V8 engine in it and uh, and um, you know all the bells and whistles, a very heavy wide car to a Studebaker with a bunch of, they call it Reynolds wrap, thrown on it to make it look like a Packard. <laughs> it was not well received, but I like them because they're, again, unusual automobiles, and they were highly reliable. I've driven my black 57 four-door sedan uh, all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast on old highways, wow. round trip twice. Um, the that that is a kind of an interesting car. It was a four-door sedan family car. 
um, I have another similar car that was built by Studebaker in 1958. It's called a Packard Hawk. Uh, it's also in the in the, where we keep the uh, post-war cars in the front showroom. Hawk was a pretty unusual car. Studebaker built it. Um, had a supercharged uh, Studebaker engine in it. Um, but a fiberglass front end piece and some very high end interior and few of them um, have um, survived because um, you know they were an oddball collector car if that's the right way to put it and um, in those days you know Studebaker you could sort of watch them rust <laughs> that's alright <laughs> so we have one of those that's, that's a really nice car and we've shown it we showed it at Amelia Island we took it to uh Greenwich Concourse Delegant, it's been at Meadowbrook and a few other um, um, high-end uh, uh, charity car shows. You know, one thing that uh, Steve would really appreciate, and uh, as everybody knows, Steve Ronaldo is a national judge, AACA, uh, been on the board and so forth, but his collection, I think Steve has seven, eight different cars now, but uh, in his collection, he doesn't have a trailer queen, and I think you mentioned to me that you only have one or two trailer queens. The rest of them, they're expected to start and go out on the road. Well, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things if you live long enough and you have enough time that, that you want to do, and that is is that I try to work towards the goal of being able to walk into the museum, point at a car, and, and go get the key and drive off with it. Well, okay, that brings up a point because I know the the codes in many uh, many towns or cities won't let you leave gas or or in or even a battery hooked up to a car in a museum situation or in a garage situation. What do you, what do you do to get around that? Well, first of all, this is Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> second of all, it's after Oklahoma, and third of all, I own it all. Oh, okay. So, I, what can I tell you? <laughs> we have the we have the batteries in the cars. And typically, uh, we we put a disconnect switch on the battery uh, so that the battery is isolated from the car. You know, a big concern of the old cars is uh, is getting a short and burning out the wires, and then you've got real trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, gasoline is a problem in that um, when left in these old cars. Uh, it'll lacquer up and cause all sorts of damage, so it makes it difficult to start the car. And what we try to do is keep the humidity down so that um, you don't get a lot of contaminants through um, water, et cetera, in the gas tanks. And uh, we put gasoline stabilizer in all our fuel tanks. And we try to keep the tanks full, which, you know, smacks in the face of, of error, but Water is your enemy in gasoline. <laughs> well, t- today's stuff that they call gasoline is the enemy as well. Well, that, that is that is true. Um, the oxygenated fuels and and the um, ethanol additives are not good for old uh, seals. And and once again, this is Oklahoma, and so we can buy um, real gas here. Real gas, really. Uh, yes. I may drive over today and get a tank full. Yeah, you might, might want to bring a, 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 a big tank. 
<laughs> Gosh, that's um, that's neat. That's neat. Yes. Okay, so, so, so it's not without its problems, but well, that's good. And you take them out. How often do you drive the different cars that you have? Well, weather permitting, um, one of the problems with the old cars is keeping them clean. And, and you know, you can wash a car, but it's not clean. Mm-hmm. And so you, so you don't like to drive them when it's raining and there's a bunch of dirt and stuff around. But that also having been said, uh, our area has, um, oh, probably 10 months of a year of, of pretty decent weather. Um, we don't have a lot of harsh snows here uh, and that kind of stuff where they're throwing the sand all over the roads. Um, and so I, I like to keep uh, at least one of these cars uh, in my garage at home. Um, I have a lift in the garage at home so I can service them and I'll typically go down and get one or two and and have it here at the house to drive and and then I'll do an annual uh, you know uh, oil change check grease do all that stuff uh, uh, when I have some time uh, and you know keep a punch list on the car of what treat to buy this year you know Today, uh, I have in my shop um, an oddball automobile uh, that I came by and enjoy driving a lot. Is a 65 Chevy Impala Super Sport convertible. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It's not a, a, in my mind, it's not a true classic car, but it's a car of my youth, and that was a mommy and daddy car, you know. Uh, it actually came out of uh, Texas. Uh, um, no rust, original, sixty-four thousand mile Impala with factory air. Pretty nice ride. Oh yeah, I think so. Well, I'm, I'm. Uh, you just hit my jealousy button. Well, come on over. <laughs> well, I could get there, but I, I don't know what I'd do when I got there. You know, I, 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 right. well, I figure you want to keep it, and, um, and you're not. We in find the... something for you. <laughs> That's neat. The, the other car that I have here is. Um, is I have a Citroen. Um, it was built in France, uh, and they call it a 2CV, which was 2 metric horsepower, translated to about, oh, 27 horsepower. Um, and it's an oddball car. It's not an American car. It's a 1975 automobile. But I restored it for my wife, um, who is French, and we drive it all the time. And, of course, it only gets 50 miles a gallon. <laughs> uh, but that's a kind of a fun, funky little uh, automobile. That's that's cool. So um, we're going to take another break here shortly, but you do basically all of your restoration yourself if a car is in, in a situation that needs to be restored. Uh and I think you said, with the exception of the painting. And uh, when we get back, let's talk about that. And also, let's talk about uh, the other cars that you have in, in your museum. And since they're all yours, it's sort of hard to say which one is your favorite. Well, that is true. But, you know, it, it, mostly the favorites are the ones that you have the most sweat equity in. <laughs> I, I understand that. I understand that. Sure. Well, we're going to take that break, and uh, we'll be back with David Kane from the Afton Station 
Museum in Afton, Oklahoma. If you don't know where it is, get out your map and look it up. We had it on. By the way, Dave, we have your uh, website up right now, and we got the big Packard sign looking at your the inside of your museum with the different cars that you have on display. So we'll be back with David Kane right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to The Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with Mr. David Kane, and we were just uh, enjoying a, a couple of minutes off air. And we, uh, Like I said, we do have your website up. You want to give us that website, Dave? Uh, yes, it's www.postcardsfromtheroad.org. Uh, dot net. Dot net. So www.postcardsfromtheroad.net. And, uh, you can, yeah, you can go there and see all the cars and, uh, Yeah, you can see a lot of them. Um, why don't I give you a, um, I'll give you an age-by-age description, a quickie uh, tour of the museum, and we'll start with the oldest and work to the newest. Sounds um, like a deal. Two years ago, we built a steel arch building about, oh, I don't know, three, 4,000 square feet to house the uh, pre-war cars so that you could actually walk around them. And uh, there are no ropes in our museum. You can look at them. We ask you not to touch them because, uh, you know, usually people's, the people have um, some oils in their hands or some jewelry that might scratch them. But in the post-war, in the pre-war side, uh, the oldest vehicle there, which is not mine, is a friend of mine's, is a 1917 Packard, built new. It's a motorhome, a 30-foot motorhome. It, it's a pretty incredible 12-cylinder car. Um, we drive it. Um, it's a very fun piece. And a friend of mine owns it, has owned it for years. And, um, you know, it's, it had a dump toilet from a railroad car uh, <laughs> in it. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, the actual body was built in the Pullman the railroad cars. 
yards um, for the car um, in 1917. Um, the next uh, the next would be a 23 Packard um, four door sedan was a restored car that I bought from a gentleman's estate up in uh, Frontenac, Kansas. Um, uh, still has his wife's name on a license plate. Um, and he restored the car pretty well, quite frankly. And I, all I've done is, you know, put new tires on it, keep it running, and uh, love it. And the car rides um, quite well. It runs virtually as I would presume it did when it was new. Um, that's a four-door sedan, um, 23 Packard. The next would be a 29 Packard um, which is a very big automobile. It's the biggest Packard they built in 1929. Was sold to a um, gentleman who was a um, architect uh, in uh, suburban New York. Uh, he bought it for his wife, a big convertible coupe, huge car. Had square cut gears in it, a very heavy car to drive. Um, and his wife apparently was fairly petite and couldn't drive it much. They had a house in St. Augustine, Florida, drove it down there once or twice. But hmm. during the Depression, they garaged it because it was, uh, you know, um, not a good thing to be driving a Packard around when half the country was out of work. Um, I bought it from a guy who um, put a new septic tank in the old gentleman's uh, estate in Westchester County, New York, and traded him the car for the septic. <laughs> So I'm the third owner of that vehicle. That was a crappy deal, too. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, quite. You know. <laughs> the next one, uh, let's see, we've got a 34 um, 12-cylinder um, two-door coupe, uh, rumble seat coupe. Wow. So it was a custom-bodied custom car. You could buy them through Packard. And the body was actually not built by Packard. It was built by a company called Murray. Um, we've had a, a couple of ex-governors of the state of Oklahoma in it in parades. Um, you know, we, we'll load up a bunch of kids in it and take it in one of our local parades and drive it around and have fun with it. It's a beautiful car. Uh, we had several uh, older gentlemen in the car, uh, uh, you know, as treats. Uh, their, their family wants to take them for a ride in the car, so we look crank the thing up and... Uh, you know, take them out to a hamburger joint someplace on Route 66 or, and do that. We had a lot of fun with that automobile. And, and it's a magnificent car, truly. Um, let's see, that's a 34. I have a 36 Packard that I bought out of a, it's been a collector call, car all its life. Um, not a, it's a four door sedan. But it's an original, unrestored automobile with 17,000 miles on it. Wow. Um, we drive it occasionally just for fun, and we take it in parades and that kind of thing. Um, but the upholstery in the car is as new. Hmm. Uh, it has the last three digits of the serial number on the written in white chalk on the back of all the upholstery from where it was made in the Packard uh, um, uh, upholstery shop. Wow. Um, uh, the jack is a is a, a jack that's underneath the, the rider's seat. It's wrapped in a 1936 newspaper. <laughs> Unbelievable! The, the, uh, these stories yeah, are 
Yeah, I've never heard these stories. This is great. It, it, well, one of the great stories about the car is is that we like to do charity car shows. We had it at Greenwich Concourse one year, and in those days we had a, a beautiful um, um, dog who, who went almost everywhere with us, and and so they take the cars by, by age. I'm sure you've seen this in these fancy car shows. And here we are uh, right next to Clark, Clark Gable's custom-body 12-cylinder Packard. And, oh, gosh, yeah, I think Ethel Ford's Lincoln was there. And, you know, that kind of stuff. The car of the dome, a very famous gold Packard, it was there. And at the end of the day, they drive you up past the assembled masses that, in front of a deal and, and say a few words about the car and give you some Hagerty's wax and send you on your way. And uh, we uh, we pull up. Of course, it starts to rain a little bit, and our dog gets in the back seat on a blanket, and everybody's horrified, <laughs> you know. And when we left, the chief judge who just passed away this, this year, John Herman, who was a magnificent car guy, um, he gave us the um, the mayor's award for Greenwich Concourse, which was a big deal. And I would I would guess that there were a couple of cars in that circle that were worth a hundred times what I had in this automobile. So it was I said to my wife, I said, You better enjoy this because this won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That's great. We got a we also had a thirty seven Packard a, a seven passenger a touring sedan it's an original car that was sold to Mrs. Goodbody's chauffeur uh, when she passed away in North Stamford, Connecticut and we bought it from actually we bought it from her estate the chauffeur handed over the keys and said I want you to know I'm the only person ever drove this car wow yeah it still has Mrs. Goodbody's five digit Stamford, Connecticut phone number on the key pop huh which is pretty fun oh yeah um now that's pre-war stuff. Um, we've got one in progress, a 40-packard convertible coupe, but it's been in progress for about 15 years, and one of these days I have to finish it. Um, but that's that's the pre-war stuff. How do, how do you war, find uh, how do you find parts, David? Well, you know that's the interesting thing. I, I pretty much selected one one mark. Um, and, and when you build your network of people that you, you know and see, and, and when you buy cars the way that I buy them, you end up with a bunch of spares. Hmm. So, so it becomes a, what have you got that I can help you with deal. Um, and, and there are people who have amassed uh, pretty substantial um, collections of critical parts. Um, and then there's the... Uh, then there's a workshop. I mean, uh, there's stuff that we've had to make and replicate and have made. Um, for instance, the upholstery in the 57 four-door sedan that I talked about earlier, you, nobody had it. So I commissioned a mill lot of that upholstery and, and had a mill lot of it made that was enough to, to do about five or six cars. Uh, but that way I got exactly... The, the exact reproduction, and, and then I made available the material to other people who were, were restoring those cars. So, um, you know, you just do that kind of stuff because that's what this hobby is all about. Um, I, I've got a 
I've got a building full of, of spare parts for these things. It just kind of happens that way. Well, before um, we go on with the tour, you mentioned something about the hobby, and, and uh, this is what this show is all about. And you and I talked about this when I first contacted you, is that we've got to keep the hobby going. And... You know, we, we push every week that uh, grandparents take their grandkids to an auto museum near you, whatever it is, be it Afton or be it uh, wherever it happens to be. You know, this is a great tour for the, the grandparents, great opportunity to be with their grandkids and tell them stories that the, that the grandkids will remember forever. And we have to keep this. Uh, the automobile made to USA uh, uh, see the USA in your Chevrolet well that that was very true back then and kids today have to know that it's not just something you jump in and go from point A to point B but the car in my opinion made America so I'm, I'm well, sorry to get on my, my soapbox but there you go no, well I'm glad you have because I, I, I have a very similar feeling um, we travel uh, probably six weeks a year, every other year, to Europe. And, of course, Europe was formed before the automobile. Um, uh, and, and, therefore, their cities are laid out completely differently than our cities. Uh, I believe strongly that one of the reasons that our cities, um, particularly, you know, out of the East Coast, um, uh, are laid out was because Henry Ford, built 23 million Model T's mm-hmm. and made them available to anybody who could walk in the street and had a, had a job. Um, and not just Henry Ford, but but the Model T of the United States uh, allowed um, people to not have to live within a public transportation hit of, um, of where they either worked or shopped or whatever. Um, so, so it allowed for the development of fabulous suburbs in every city in the United States. And, and the Europeans, um, in general, their their um, their transportation, you know, ha- has an awfully high. I'm going to call it public um, uh, quotient that ours does not. But it's it's a different thing, and you're right. Our our society, grandkids, um, you know, their their love of the automobile is 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 uh, how fast can we get from point A to point B, and our love of the automobile is how can we get from point A to point B and, and have some fun, you know, uh-huh. along the way. Well, we, we, we did a little bit of that, how fast can we get to point A to point B. We used to use uh, stoplights in Lubbock, Texas as our race trees, uh, you know, uh, we'd, <laughs> as we'd count down. And uh, we did a little hot rodding back then. Well, that doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> well, we survived. That's that's uh, the best thing that you can say about it. David, we're right. going to take a, we've got to continue the tour, and we've got one more segment to go, but we have to take a break right now. We'll be back well, we'll with talk about the post-war cards. Yeah, got it. We'll be back with David Kane right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. 
just talking to you about antique car insurance, I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we're back on the classic car show on America's Web Radio. We want to send out, we want to make sure that uh, Steve Ronaldo knows that we're thinking about him and that he gets over uh, what he's had for the last week or so. And um, also say hello to uh, Jim Weber. That's, uh, he should be back in town, probably already snoring. Uh, he came in on the red eye. But we have a, a great guest on. We have Mr. David Kane from Afton, Oklahoma, and his museum. And he's going to go from pre-war to post-war cars that he has in his collection. And uh, we invite anybody that's uh, listening and going to be out in the Oklahoma area anytime, uh, up in uh, northeastern Oklahoma, as a matter of fact, to go by Afton, Oklahoma, and uh, say hello to Mr. Kane and and, uh, Laurel and um, take a tour of the museum. So, Dave, you want to continue with uh, your tour? Sure. Uh, we talked about the pre-war cars, uh, uh, post-war cars. Um, uh, earliest one uh, post-war car that I have is a 1950 bullet-nosed Studebaker. Uh, I bought it because my wife um, loved the car. She saw one that was a hot rod. I was able to find a very good original one. Um, and, and um, I mean, it's a very, very nice car uh, when the day is done. Um, that, that old... Um, uh, almost a Flash Gordon car, you know. They they, they had uh, almost identical overhangs in the front and the back. I, I could never figure whether they were going forward or backwards. That's exactly right. You didn't know whether they were coming or going, you know. Um, beautiful. Um, and, and, you know, it, this one is a six-cylinder. Um, it's a very well-balanced-looking car, but it's very quiet uh, riding. It goes hmm. down the highway smooth as silk, etc. Wonderful little car. Um, we've got a couple of 53 Packards. Um, 53 was the biggest year when Packards were built. Um, one of them was owned by a friend of mine. Um, 
for many, many years as an unrestored 36 four-door sedan, a Clipper Deluxe, uh, just a fine, fine automobile. Um, I bought a restored 53 convertible several years ago from a gentleman, um, and, and that car, of course, is, is the epitome of the, of the big years of, of car builders. In 1953 was, was the you know year where they built more Packards than any other year. They built more probably everything than any other year. So the, the post-war demand for cars was growing. People were finally buying second automobiles, and, and um, we were coming out with new cars every year. I, I remember being in the fifth grade in, in Louisville, Kentucky, looking at the, the third grade, um, the third floor building at the, at the 54 Chevy that came in that was you know, two-tone and how cool that was and <laughs> all the rest of it. So it brings back some fun memories. So we have a 55 um, a Packard uh, two-door, very big car. It had the biggest um, V8 engine Packard put in a, anybody put in a car in 1955. Uh, um, uh, torsion bar suspension, uh, factory air conditioning that was built into the into the car, um, not an add-on like many of them were. Um, I restored the car from, well, pulled it out of a barnyard. Wow. Um, we've got um, 57 Packard we talked about earlier, four-door sedan. We drive a stick shift car, manual overdrive, supercharged um, Studebaker V8 engine. There's a 58 Packard Hawk in there. Um, it's, a, it's a truly beautiful automobile and my only trailer queen. Um, I have in the front showroom a very odd automobile that I bought because I love the looks of it. It was a 1935 DeSoto um, Airflow Business Coupe. Mm-hmm. Um, the car is, is, is I, to my eye, it, it needed to be a little longer, but you know, the, the coupes were quite short. Um, but it has magnificent lines. It's got a beautiful split window in the back. It's, it's got molded into the body some indentations. Um, the car's uh, Walter Chrysler, a man incredibly ahead of his time, designed those cars, the first ones ever designed in a wind tunnel. Um, they weren't well received because they weren't big and clunky. Uh, they were light and, and um, had very uh, almost unibody construction on them, interestingly enough. Um, but it's a good-looking automobile, and it's in the front showroom. You walk in the front door, and, and, and you're, you're in it. I mean, you're looking at it. Um, I, I've got a hot rod. People, um, I had a lot of friends up in Connecticut who, when I lived up there, uh, car people... And most of them were hot rodders. And they would say to me, well, you just wait for something to rust so you can go save it. Why don't you express your individuality? (laughs) You know, and that's fine. Car people are car people. I don't care if they're they're building hot rods or what. You know, I don't like to see quality uh, antique cars taken apart for hot rods. But uh, if that's the only way to save them, that that's the way it's going to be. Uh, they own them; they're their cars. But I built from scratch, and 
and or purchased parts and, and what have you. I ended up um, built a, a Ford 1930 Ford convertible pickup truck, a Roadster pickup, they call them. Um, Ford built convertible pickups and Model Ts and Model As. Um, and um, this is a replica of one. And the only part that ever saw the Ford factory is the nine-inch rear end in it. Which <laughs> huh. is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I won't tell you how, but it's registered as a 1930 Ford. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a Chevrolet engine in it, a Chevrolet transmission, and a, a whole bunch of um, Model A parts that are made by various people that make them. Yeah, you you were just ahead of your time. Now that's uh, that's the norm for a car. Uh, who knows which body parts you got, or which uh, undercarriage or motor you have from uh, which uh, Japanese or Korean plant? That's that's exactly right. I, I, I my daily driver is a Subaru. Both my wife and I drive them. In fact, my daughter. Just about everybody that I have any chance of influencing, I send to the Subaru store. And I just had mine, um, my car has almost 200,000 miles on it. It's a turbocharged uh, little uh, Subaru pickup. And I, I go over to the Subaru dealer to have it serviced, and it needs a, it needs a new turbo. Well, Subaru doesn't make the turbo. <laughs> Guy says to me, how about a genuine Subaru part? I said, yeah, made by Mitsubishi. <laughs> So it's all pretty funny. I, I got to use a line because because you don't have trailer queens. I was thinking uh, uh, that in Afton and and whenever you uh, take one of your cars out, just uh, take it out to drive. I I, the, I wonder how many people have said, "Well, here comes David." Well, I, I don't know Afton. Afton is Afton. We're not real sure about what goes on in there at night, but <laughs> during the daytime. You're probably right. And, and I'll share something with, with you and, and your listeners. Afton, uh, Route 66 was built in Oklahoma from east, from west to east. And when they got to Afton, they ran out of money. So they made Route 66 from Afton, about 30 miles of it, to the Kansas border, nine feet wide. And they, they threw four feet of gravel outside the road so that when you met an oncoming vehicle, you would drive over the curb and your right two, two wheels would be in the gravel. What? <laughs> there are still two existent stretches of that highway. Now, the, the criteria for the road was all the curbs had to be banked. They had to have a concrete um, curb. Um, on the entire road, built up, and they, they poured the beds in um, in concrete and then filled it with asphalt at, in later days. So we have, right starting in after the headed east, uh, a portion of the old nine-foot alignment. Wow. And, and when you drive it, I don't believe there are any structures. that you, There's a section where, where there are no structures you can see that weren't there in, I don't know, 19, nothing newer than 1950, let's say. 
So you can, in your mind's eye, be on the old highway driving one of these old cars, and we do it, um, and, and, you know, think of the old uh, Mack truck coming at you with the square-cut <laughs> gears and, you know, having to pull over to the side of the road to let them pass, and, and, and that's kind of the fun stuff about this hobby and what people can do. Uh, you can go find them. Um, in this part of the world, you can go go to uh, drive your old car over to Joplin, Missouri, and see where Bonnie and Clyde had their big shootout, or uh, drive up to Kansas and see where the Dalton gang had their big shootout. And, and I mean, there's fun stuff to do on these old roads with these old automobiles. That that's neat, and we invite everybody to try that out and do it, and go by Afton and see Dave's museum. One quick last question: We only have about a minute to go, but uh, I always like to ask: Have you heard any good stories from grandparents? Oh, oh goodness, yes. Um, I had a gentleman in, in my nineteen thirty-four Packard who is the father. Of, a, of one of my contemporaries. Now, now I'm 70, and his son is a friend of mine. He's, you know, 45. So I have the old gentleman in the 34 Packard with his son and his grandson, who's 45 years old, in the rumble seat. Wow. <laughs> and we're going down the the nine-foot alignment that I just explained to you, and the old gentleman turns to me and says, I think this is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Isn't that? What a a compliment. What a way to end the show, too. Mr. David Kane, this has been totally enjoyable. Uh, Please keep us posted on what's going on with uh, your museum and and, uh, new uh, cars that you purchase and uh, going to be putting in the museum and so forth and um, I hope you'll come back to visit the Classic Car Show when we got the experts here instead of the dud that uh, comes in third well it's the fact that they're not there probably saved me so. <laughs> no no not at all you'd add more fun with them but uh, they know cars backwards and forwards just like you did so anyway we're here on America's Web Radio we want to thank David Kane one more time for joining us today uh, Steve, and Dave, uh, Steve and Jim will be back next week on the Classic Car Show you're listening to America's Web Radio we appreciate you tuning in Dave thanks one more time See you. thanks for having us yes sir have a good day You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.